Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sam's Report. Uh, it's what middle of July, um, and actually, this is kind of an interesting time. It's about this time of the year that I actually started this podcast. Actually, specifically, I believe the first episode was uh, July twelfth, and um, every once in a while, I'll just kind of pop into the stats. But let's just see what those are. Uh, so, podcast launched July tenth. Actually, July 12th, according to YouTube, but I think it was actually the 10th. I was using a different service. Uh, about 2.1 million minutes watched. Um, and then on the SoundCloud side, which is significantly higher, 346,000 plays. So you could probably triple that um, to probably around 6 million minutes. Actually, the top city where this podcast is played is in Seattle, followed by um, London. So, you know, there's uh, just, I don't know. <laughs> just whatever i stats are great it just helps me keep track that people actually listen to my vomiting of, of this information although i will tell you the past couple episodes i've had some pretty good scoops and we've got another one here it's more related to the layoffs and how that's kind of impacted the company there have been it's a lot of flattening of the org but we'll dive in there in a second uh so this week microsoft had inspire which is their formerly known as the uh, what was Jesus, man? I'm uh, worldwide partner conference. I'm losing my mind here. So they held that this week, and a couple things came out of it, but kind of, but not really came out of it. And I'll explain here. So the first thing Microsoft announced is that Azure Stack, which is an on-premises version of Azure, so they're kind of making, uh, they're not kind of, they, that's exactly what they're doing. They are taking Azure and bringing it to the local data center. And so I have a couple of questions about this, which I have to figure out, some of them financially related. But really what they're doing is making Azure Stack an extension of Azure. And so Microsoft is targeting a 20 billion annual run rate for its cloud services. And so my question here is, and I'm supposed to be talking to Microsoft here in a little bit, uh, not today, I'm trying to get it set up, is so is Azure Stack going to be tied into that cloud 20 billion because that seems a little disingenuine because if you're running it on premises even though it's cloud ish hybrid software are they going to roll that into azure 20 billion or is that going to be part of uh, a different thing i suspect they're going to roll it into their cloud stuff but i don't know we'll see because they are pitching it as an extension of azure but is it really azure i mean it's software yes but it's not really cloud stuff i don't know it'll be an interesting thing because that's a balance sheet uh you know a little bit of balance sheet juggling that is going on. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so Azure Stack. The other thing Microsoft announced that was kind of big, but kind of not really, was Microsoft 365. And so what this is, it's kind of a simplified approach to subscription headaches. But Microsoft 365 really isn't new. It's essentially a rebranding of the Secure Product Enterprise, SPE, which was previously known as the Enterprise Cloud Suite. So it's not really new, um, it, it's more of just a repackaging of that stuff. They're probably trying to, you know, inject some vigor into that product line and that they were having selling problem selling, uh, software assurance as much as they wanted to, at least for the longer term contracts. And so I think by rebranding this thing, they're hoping that, Hey, it's going to get some headlines, uh, which it did. And that they're going to be able to kind of rebuild that portfolio up and kind of bring some life into it. And there's also Microsoft 365 enterprise, which is kind of the big thing, which is the rebranding. There's also Microsoft 365 business. Uh, the biggest differences for the enterprise stuff includes Windows 10. Uh, the business side, it really just includes Office 365 and then some management capabilities and security services. And so when you think about why is Microsoft launching this stuff, here's my kind of gut check about what I think they're doing. So they have a lot of people in Office 365, uh, over 100 million. And so 
all those people are in a software as a service model. They understand it. I'm assuming they like it to some extent. And Microsoft's now saying, okay, how can we, you know, how can we increase those margins? So they came out with Microsoft 365, which is going to take Office 365 and kind of elevate it up and add more packages and services. And, and I think their push is going to be to saying, okay, everybody that's on Office 365 internally in the sales funnel, what's known as the top of the sales funnel, they're going to be start saying, okay, these are these hundred million people are all candidates that we can now pitch Microsoft 365 to if they're not subscribing to any service or if they have Office 365 and Windows uh, on the subscription service, they might be able to say, you know what, maybe we can bump them up to enterprise. So I really think that this is just a higher end tier for them that they're hoping to make people jump from Office 365 or something else up into that, you know, baby steps at a time. Not everyone's going to run out and sign, sign up for Microsoft 365. Uh, and then the next logical question is, this is all for the business world. Is Microsoft going to do this for the consumer? Um, I, I think they're going to have some trouble doing that. And, and I'm not really sure they're going to go that route. Here's why. Uh, when was the last time you paid for Windows 10? Right? People people don't want to pay for Windows. It's typically bundled into uh, the hardware that you buy these days. So it's not like you're walking down to the store or Staples and saying, great, I grabbed my copy of Windows 10. Here we go. Now, granted, I know some people have not specifically gone to Staples. Some people have bought Windows 10 if you're building your own machine um, and other types of things. But it doesn't really so much make sense on the consumer side. Yes, Office 365 does exist. The only way they could do it is that they had Office 365 plus some security services potentially. But again, Defender's already built into Windows 10, and then it kind of is an awkward question where it's like, okay, um, you're selling a desktop that's not as secure, and now you're going to try to buy, you know, nickel and dime me. So I, I don't quite see it coming online for consumers. It doesn't mean they're not going to do it, but I, I, I don't foresee that happening um, anytime soon, or at least in, at least replicating the way that the corporate world is being monetized and they're going with that. Um, other things that happened this week, kind of big news, but I dug into this quite a bit and it's not, it's, it's not the doom and gloom that some websites have written. So Surface Hub is excelling extremely well for Microsoft. I, I have multiple sources telling me this. I'm not really concerned about the Surface Hub product line, but what they did announce this week is that they're shutting down the plant in Oregon where they were building some of the Surface Hubs. And here's... You got to cut through the mess here. So when Microsoft bought Perceptive Pixel, they were based out of this Oregon location. Perceptive Pixel needed a manufacturing facility to build their product. They didn't have manufacturing capabilities. So what do they do? They opened up a factory. Microsoft comes in, buys Perceptive Pixel, and they, they acquire this manufacturing facility. Well, Microsoft already has manufacturing capabilities. We know that because they build the Surface, they build the Xbox, um, they, built a, they built a lot of different hardware. And so... I think their mistake was when they initially bought this company, they did a big like romanticizing thing like, hey, we're going to build the Surface Hub in America. It's going to be great. And then two years later, they're shutting that plant down. It's not because they, they're abandoning the line. That is absolutely in no way the case. Actually, the Surface Hub is still pretty hard to get hold of, um, at least quickly. Somebody commented on the internet on with not the correct information. Like, you can't even buy these things in the Microsoft Store. Yeah, they're not... They're, I don't think they've ever been sold in the Microsoft Store, like the physical retail stuff. And so... The Service Hub is selling well. I, I firmly believe that. It was huge at Inspire. Uh, people on the ground there, I, I know some vendors there that were telling me, hey, these things are doing well. And so this is a consolidation of Microsoft building the Surface Hub. And obviously, if you're building more Surface Hubs, if you're, let me rephrase that. If you have manufacturing capacity where you can build more in one location, it's more cost effective than building 50% in China and 50% in Oregon. And the, 
you lose some of that efficiency. And so this is just a consolidation of that. And in fact, I'm still hearing that Service Hub 2 or something along that line, some updates to the product are coming. Uh, I don't have specifics at the time, but anybody saying that Service Hub is a dead on arrival product has absolutely no clue what they're talking about. Okay, and so jumping back to last week, oh, I just bumped the camera, always a good thing to do on a live podcast. Uh, jumping back to last week, Microsoft, the layoffs, right? We're hearing more. There's been some VPs who have left, um, some people have been retiring, uh, you know, all around this time. But anyway, so this is from a a pretty trusted source. He's pretty good, especially when it comes to this information. Uh, and, and he informed me, he said, lots of retail teams, and this is, I'm talking about in Europe and across the globe, not so much necessarily in the US, but definitely in um, outside the US. He said, lots of retail teams have been shut down. Microsoft are going away with hubs of retail teams to focus on the largest chains only. Uh, Austria, Switzerland, um, and another couple of places have been closed down completely and all retail for is now being done from Germany and um, some other European-based teams out of the UK. So it, it's really been a consolidation of these retail teams that were going out uh, across the globe and most of those people are now gone. Um, so that gives you just a little bit more insight about who was cut and why. You know, it, these things suck. I hate layoffs, but that's the nature of the business of Microsoft, especially when your sales team goes through a reorg. I'm sure we'll start to see other little things trickle out, but um, so there you go. Uh, also, a release this week, a couple things. So Microsoft released Windows 10 build 16241, and there's a couple things in here. So you can now recover your PIN and password from the lock screen. Uh, they've made Acrylic, which is their updated design language. Um, they've introduced less background noise. So they kind of went from like a gray to, I, I don't know if Gaussian blur is the right way. It's very minimal, but there was some good feedback in the feedback hub and Microsoft saying, hey, you know what, we're listening and that's why it's important to file some of that stuff. And there's also been design changes to the GPU section uh, of the performance section of task management. So those are the basic changes, things that aren't changing. Uh, no, su no surprise here, Cloud Clipboard still not coming. Actually, somebody linked me to a Joe Belfiore tweet. I kind of missed this and says, hey, this is actually after Timeline gets introduced. So that is definitely not coming, which is a freaking bummer, man. I've been wanting one clip, which was announced in uh, May, I think it was announced or leaked in May of 2015. I had all the apps and it was great. You right mouse click, copy it on the desktop and you get it on your phone, Android, iOS, or Windows phone at that point. And we've, I've been waiting since May of 2015. And guess what? It's definitely not coming this fall. We already knew that timeline was not coming. I'm still getting a little concerned about story remix because it's not showing up in these builds. And if Microsoft drops the ball and does not deliver story remix, um, I, yeah, I hate to like week in, week out, be like, Microsoft, you're missing your own deadlines. And it's kind of getting embarrassing at this point. But I haven't heard either way about Story Remix, but it's not in this latest build, which again makes me nervous because Microsoft said that next week is going to be the final bug bash for the Fall Creators update. And so if that's the final bug bash, which means they're about to wrap things up, which means no more new features really that haven't already been ingested into the pipeline. What is, yeah, like... You know, I, I think they're going to ship this thing a little bit sooner than we think. And uh, it makes me nervous. It, it, it Not even nervous, almost sad because it's like we get so pumped about these things and then they don't show up. 
Oh, Microsoft, but you know what? It gives you stuff to talk about. Uh, other fun things that have happened in fun in quotations here. So Microsoft shipped the first server insider build, uh, 16237. I wrote that up on Petri. You can go look at Microsoft's blog as well. There's a ton of stuff in here. I'm not going to really dive into it because for the vast majority of people, it's minute. And uh, I actually don't know anybody running server insider yet. I'm sure there are people out there. But what's kind of really interesting here is Microsoft's gone the full Linux route. And so if you're a Linux user and you are a champion of free software, and more specifically, I know Ubuntu has some really stable stuff, but uh, somebody tweeted, and I can't remember your name, and I apologize, the perfect analogy for Linux. Um, Linux, you either spend 17 hours to get one thing working or something lasts for 17 years, and they're referring to some dev environments lasting, you know, well into their lifetime. But if you run Linux, you're pretty much accustomed to things breaking and you have to fix it and you like to tinker and all that good stuff. I know that's not perfect statement, so don't email me and say, Brad, Linux is perfect and I use it every day stably. Yeah, but you know what? Getting sometimes video drivers and all that good stuff up, it's a it's a crapshoot. And so I kind of joked about this, but it seems real. So if you, if you like living in that type of a world, you could run Windows Insider, you could run Office Insider, you could run Skype Insider, and you could run Server Insider, all for free. Uh, and if you don't believe me, Microsoft actually released server keys that will work for Server Insider. And I know that Windows can get that get similar keys as well. So in theory, if you're a champion of free software and you don't want to pay for stuff and you're okay with living bugs, which you probably are on the Linux side, you could run the entire Microsoft stack essentially without paying a dime. Now, granted, you can't do that in the corporate world. Uh, what well, you can't do, do so legally. And I don't think you want to run any corporate applications on a uh pre-release server build but in theory for the home user and the home guru tinkerer you could run the microsoft stack without paying a dime that's kind of nuts i mean that's full that's like embracing linux now it's not as perfect and not as clean cut as linux i fully agree but at the same time it very much embraces what linux and open source software is about and i actually think this is really neat and it's just a, such a dramatic shift from the way microsoft used to operate if you would go back in 10 years ago and say you know what i have a home office and i can run windows office server and skype all for free and microsoft wants me to do it that that is uh yeah so um as somebody points out in the comments, is you can't earn revenue from beta software, right? There's no go live license. So technically, yes, that is correct. This is more for the home user at home. Like you don't want to run this. You don't want to start a company and run all this stuff. Uh, you would be you would be in some trouble with Microsoft if they ever found out. I'm more talking about the enthusiast who's running, who gave up on Windows because whatever they didn't want to pay for software anymore. So. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think of just how Microsoft has transitioned. And so we're going to jump into the questions here. It seems like there were some pretty good ones. Let me refresh the page one more time. Uh, da, 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 da. There we go. Uh, Peter K asks, he says, what are the odds Microsoft holographic platform coming to Android and iOS in app form, kind of like iOS? I actually think it's a little bit higher than we think. Um, Microsoft has already built out the appification of it. I, I want to say they even showed it off a little bit with Story Remix. And so I, I think Microsoft would be smart to do that because they need that ecosystem. They need the ecosystem more than they need platform exclusivity. So I, I firmly believe that. Uh, HRLN Grove says, the last few insider builds have team much slower than previous insider build. Is this the new way Microsoft wants to take the Windows up? Uh, Windows update. Wouldn't Windows users become much more resistant to allowing updates? The assumption that 
I'm a little confused here because he talks about insider builds have been much slower. Well, the reason the insider builds have been much slower is because Microsoft is winding down, right? We went through a period in middle of June, roughly, where there were tons of features. And now those features are ingested into the main pipeline. Now they want to bug bash and then they're going to ship. That's why I keep saying like if stuff's not in there, it's probably not shipping. That's why I'm worried about uh, consumer remix or consumer remix, story remix. So uh, just kind of keep that in mind. Uh, the specific ocean says, I'm having to return my, ooh, geez, let's see here. I'm having to return my burgundy surface laptop due to a splotchy discoloration corrosion on the outside of the lid. It seems as though there's some type of coating on the metal that oil spills from my hand messed up only after a month. Tried cleaning with a damp cloth and there is an obvious beating of water everywhere else except in that spot. Have you heard anything similar? Since mine was a pre-order, it maybe didn't get cured properly. So, to be honest, completely honest, this is the very first time I have heard this. Now, what I do know, because I've played around with these things a little bit, is that that burgundy color chips pretty easily. And if it chips, I believe it's like a white or probably aluminum color underneath, and it's really annoying. Uh, Mary Jo Foley actually chipped hers accidentally, um, I think, in her bag. But I haven't seen this, and that, that discoloration is a little concerning, considering you've only had it in a month. And the oils from your hand, which, you know, is no fault of your own. That's a, a product should be built for that. The Dell XPS 13, which I love as a laptop. I hate the carbon fiber on it because it does the same thing, but even worse. Um, you know, can you follow up on this? Because I, I'm really curious to see what Microsoft is going to say about the returned unit, how they are going to handle this. If they're going to say this is just normal and that's what we expect. Or if you actually got one that was missing some sort of uh, hydrophobic coating. Hydrophobic, I think is that. I think it's the right term. I don't know. It, it, so the specific ocean, if you can please, or yeah, it looks like, yeah, the specific ocean, if that's your name. If you could please follow up. I'm very curious to actually see how this plays out for you. Averroda asks, says, Brad says Windows 10M uh, is on feature two branch and all talk of Andromeda and Seashell. What are the odds in your opinion that, that this new type of device gets launched in the fall? I know we may not see a Surface device until 2018, perhaps, uh, a third party might be ready for launch this year. I'm thinking of HP LX3, HP Elite X3 device they showed off at Mobile World Congress. So this is a very good and fair question. Um, I don't, I haven't heard anything about a non. So th there's a there's a couple things, and I, this is where I don't have enough information to give you a perfect answer. So there's a there's a software story to this, and there's a hardware story. The software story, I think, is getting there a little bit faster than the hardware, from what I understand. And we're talking about Seashell, and we're talking about this mobile interface. Um, there's other, some other UI elements I'm not really ready to dive into yet that I'm hearing about um, happening. And then we also need to wait for the hardware maturity of it to happen. And so Microsoft isn't going to launch this thing until they're really sure on that hardware side. you got to remember, we're in the very early days of Snapdragon uh, x86 emulation. We think it's good. Everything Microsoft has shown is good. Uh, of course, they're not going to get up on stage and be like, look, this stuff crashes all the time. That's not great. Uh, there's also some legality aspects of it. So you have that bucket of issues and things going on. And then you have the software side. So the software is coming out and it, it software typically will mature a little bit faster than the hardware, especially in this new type of segment. And what we need to be looking for is, okay, if the software finishes, what are they going to launch it on? Because they're not going to launch it on existing Lumia hardware. We already know that feature two is the end of the road for that product pipeline. And so they need to have something. And is, is it going to come from a third party? Is it going to come from Microsoft? I don't quite know who's going to get there first. Or if Microsoft is just going to sit on this thing and wait a little bit, maybe until their VR, AR stuff materializes. 
these are all like balls in the air that I'm juggling and trying to figure out. And I keep poking around and pe some people tell me one thing and some people tell me another. And, uh, this is the fun and exciting side, but at the same time, it's like the dangerous side to start talking about this stuff. The only thing I can say for certain is that there are, uh, x64 whatever uh, arm prototypes floating around microsoft campus where they are in the product maturity life cycle i don't know at this time so michael martinez asked says it's clear microsoft is rallying behind office as one of the major pillars of revenue I completely agree the innovations uh for this product product show this such as the ai translator for powerpoint is there a chance that powerpoint morphs morphs into a sway hybrid to compete with more agile products like prezi or will they stay separate programs? So I've actually been looking at Prezi here a little bit because I do a fair amount of public speaking and talking about things like this, about Microsoft's roadmap, uh, specifically like their on-premises roadmap. And so Prezi is actually a pretty neat little thing. It's a little bit more containerized, I think is probably the appropriate way to say it. Like you can do some neat presentations, but there's only, there's a limited number of them that you can do compared to say PowerPoint. But then PowerPoint's this legacy thing. It's a little bit more heavy on uh, the user side for generation of content. This is a very interesting question because Microsoft wants PowerPoint to become a modernized uh, presentation tool. And they're doing that with PowerPoint Translator. But then they also have Sway, which they say is their modern storytelling stuff. I don't know if they're ever going to merge these two because they want Sway to be like the browser-based one and PowerPoint to be like the PC-based one. Um, this is a good question. This is a good question, Michael. I don't, th I don't see them merging them, but that's that's a pretty intricate. Uh, you'd have to have really deep knowledge about PowerPoint's future. And the one thing I do know is that Microsoft knows that PowerPoint's biggest competitor is Google Slides, and so they want to make sure that they are not going to lose users to Google Slides. So. Um, my gut would tell me that look at what Google Slides is doing and Microsoft's going to make sure that they are not only doing that, but besting those features. So uh, Patrick3D asks us, do either Brad or Paul use Windows Hello daily for logging into your device? What has been your experience, pros, cons, and would you recommend at this time? So yes and no. And so I do use Windows Hello with this. This is the Surface Studio back here. I got some new LEDs behind it, by the way. Uh, different from last week. They're a little bit brighter and... Um, talk about that in a minute you can change the colors it's completely frivolous stuff so i have a windows hello is it's good and bad on one hand it's good like on this machine because it's the same height all the time it's great now on the surface book it's not so great reason being is that that screen articulates and you end up doing like this type of thing trying to get your head into that perfect frame so if you have a stationary product it's it's okay it's good um that being said, I can still log into this machine that I'm podcasting from with a four-digit pin faster than Windows Hello is working. Mostly because, first of all, I can log into this machine while standing up. Think about that for a second. If you walk up to your machine and typically you're logging on, you're hitting enter, punching in your four-digit pin and hitting enter again, you will log in faster than Windows Hello. Now, the reason why Windows Hello works better for me back there is most of the time because that's my insider machine. And so I just spin around and like wheel my butt over there. And my stupid face is already in that kind of box that it needs to be in. So it works well on that machine, but not so much in this machine. So that the question of asking, should you get it? Here's the thing. If you don't, if you're going to go buy a new webcam, because that's probably the easiest way to get it, I, it might make sense to buy one that has Windows Hello capability. If you have a machine now and you're happy with it, I don't think I would spend the additional money just 
for facial login. Fingerprint reader might be a good investment um, because you're going to bypass that, you know, moving your head and thing. You can just touch your finger to it. That might not be a bad investment, but for a Windows Hello camera, it's a little bit tougher and it's really a personal decision about if it's going to be good for you. But I would be more hesitant to say to retrofit your environment uh, to, to support that. So... Uh, Adam Corbelly asks, he says, aside from bug fixes and features known to be coming with the, th uh, what three features, well, three features is tough. Would you like to see Microsoft add to the next version of Windows? And so two comments on this. I didn't know this and maybe other people don't, but in the next or upcoming version of Windows, you can actually remove the action center icon. At least that's what I'm told from the taskbar or system tray, which I'm actually happy about. I don't use the action center at all. And so in the upcoming builds, people are telling me, actually, I could look on that one right now, but I won't. You can actually remove that. So that was one feature. The other one I'm still waiting for, I'd love to be able to pin live tiles to the desktop. I've said this many, many times, but it would be nice. Those things are widgets. I used gadgets back in the Vista days quite a bit. Uh, honestly, that might actually get me, well, I don't know if it'd get me using the Action Center more, but I would like to be able to pin the mail and calendar widgets to my secondary monitor for a quick, you know, quick glance, like what's going on today. That it seems so logical and yet here we are not being able to do that and then steven c will he says uh what does he say here da, 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 da. he says microsoft knows lots of people loved arrow in windows 7 he says why are we getting a half-baked replacement in fluent design in windows 10 and not arrow back so we're not getting arrow back because microsoft gutted it from the os um and fluent per my understanding microsoft is building fluent more granular into the OS across the entire thing into retrofit arrow back into windows 10 does two things. One, it says that they screwed up by removing arrow. And so Microsoft doesn't really want to admit that they screwed up by removing arrow because so many people liked it. And two, by going with this fluent design, they don't have to go back and retro, you know, change all that code. They get to start from scratch and it, it, it's more of, you have a whole team of designers. Let's put them to work type scenario. Um, I'm okay with arrow being gone. I think fluent is fine. My bigger concern with Fluent is that it's going to take too long for it to fully materialize. Remember, Microsoft already very publicly said, hey, this is a multi-release iteration. And so it's not going to be, we're going to get the fall creators update and that's full Fluent. It's going to take uh, a, a decent amount of time. And so uh, insider tip of the week this week, guys, I'm curious if I've missed anything that Microsoft said that they were going to bring to the fall creators update. And that's not here. The two big ones are obviously timeline. Um, and uh, timeline and the clipboard, we have still haven't seen the Project Rome yet either, which again makes me nervous. Uh, so that may not be coming either, and that might have been a more longer tail thing. Um, but and then Story Remix, we haven't seen yet, but it's it was there at one point or accessible, but now you can't. I don't know. Um, so those are the big big ones. If I'm missing anything else that Microsoft said was coming, I would love to know. And so, you know what, you can just shoot a message on Twitter, email, whatever, in the comments of this video. But, um, you know, that's it, guys. Uh, two years doing this. I can't believe it's actually been two years. Appreciate everybody listening and all that good stuff. We've grown up over the years together. And, you know, the latest thing here that I bought, uh, completely riv It's not going to work too well. So, I bought, for 20 bucks on Amazon, you can get this uh, 12-foot long, I think it's 12-foot, might be 16-foot long um, LED strip and so I like coiled it around behind that monitor and you can see a little bit underneath um, it's not going to work perfectly because there's one of them along there but anyways you'll see here in a second you can just it's remote accessible and you can change the colors but the bottom bar is a different set so it doesn't work perfectly um, but green doesn't that's green you can't like this Logitech camera does a terrible job 
Anyways, uh, 20 bucks. If you're looking for LED stuff, I'm pretty much trying to move away from Philips Hue because it locks you in to the worst walled garden uh, ever. So you got that going on. But anyways, got that all going on. And uh, you know what? Thanks, guys, for watching. And I'll catch you right back here next week on the Sam's Report.